Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I am joined by four members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hey guys. I have Kev. Hello. I have Scott. Hello there. And I have Todd. Hello. And uh, tonight we have a very special guest. Um, we have Mr. Miles Randall. Uh, Miles is the president of TEAMS, which is spelled T-E-A-A-M-S, which stands for the Technical Evacuation Advanced Aeromedical Service. Uh, he's also a helicopter uh, rescue paramedic with nearly 30 years of experience. It started with a search and rescue call where he helped save and va- evacuate 176 people during a massive storm. Uh, through tragic events, fighting against a system that wouldn't change, and battling his own demons, Miles has come. Uh, Miles chose to make um, the difference himself. He is the Punisher. He, he is the Punisher. <laughs> Which will come out later. But. <laughs> and uh, with the help of his friend John, uh, they created a family now with uh, with some of the best minds in the medical service who specialise in providing pre-hospital care to patients in the hardest-to-reach areas. Uh, the guy's a legend, and uh, his team are really pushing the envelope at every turn, and it is an honour to have him on the show. So without further ado, please welcome Miles Randall. And uh, we have Miles Randall. Miles, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for inviting me to be here tonight. No, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time there. Um, Miles, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself there, chap? Uh, my name's Miles Randall. I'm president of a program called Team Aeromedical. Uh, which is a new new program to Canada. It's about two and a half years old. Uh, paramedic by trade, uh, based out of Squamish, BC. Cool. What? Uh, so, how did you how did you start off in the uh, in the emergency services industry then? Uh, way back twenty nine years ago. Now, I, I um, started volunteering with a volunteer search and rescue team, and had a pretty big call that that. Uh, Ended up with us rescuing 176 patients, um, and mm-hmm. after a big call like that, you kind of your world spins for a little bit, and you realize you uh, you can't go back to a normal life after it. And uh, so I started pursuing a career in emergency services and got involved with not only search and rescue but eventually BC ambulance service. So, uh, 170. <laughs> let me let me. Say. <laughs> You said 176, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we, Miles... We were sent, sent for one person, one patient that uh, was hypoglycemic, and then when we arrived, we realized there was 176 people stranded in the biggest storm that uh, had ever hit the Fraser Valley. And uh, so, yeah, we ended up being stuck with 176 people in a house for for 48 hours. Um the military sent our personnel carriers to get to us. They they didn't make it. Um, snowmobiles didn't make it. And eventually we ended up commandeering a train and getting everybody out on the train. 
What? Why? <laughs> Why haven't you heard about this? <laughs> yeah, so, all right. So, Miles, yeah, I was planning. That ends up. <laughs> the, the plan was to start off slow, but apparently, <laughs> I'm just gonna go right into Apparently, it. we've got 176 patients right at the gate. Your commandeering trains, army, and military can't get to you. So. Maybe let's start at the beginning of that, shall we? <laughs> let's see a little bit about that. So do you want to tell us a little bit more detail about that one there for us? Where was this house? Yeah, like this sounds amazing. <laughs> the Fraser Valley, I can't tell as I think of like the Fraser Valley is lowland, not a storm where you have to commandeer a train and save 176 people. It was, uh, it was on Sumas Flats and uh, we got called because a uh, off-duty Abbotsford police officer come across someone who was stranded in a snowbank. Um, and so, yeah, we went in for one patient who was stranded in a snowbank that was unconscious because of low blood sugar. Um, so we based out of a, a Abbotsford Fire Department fire hall and took three four-by-fours and uh, like a D8 cat to, to dig our way into the place. Um, and it didn't take long for us to realized that it was like a, like the apocalypse there was abandoned cars everywhere um the snowdrifts were as tall as semi-trailers and then it was like bare bare road on the other side of it uh so yeah we ended up having two of the three four by fours freeze up and so we had to abandon them we left half of our team in a school they broke into a elementary school to to shelter and we got to our patient and realized that there was a hundred and some odd more people out there. Um, so we ended up having to send one guy out with the patient in the cat. And then the rest of us, there was three of us, we ended up doing a, a fairly cursory triage of everybody. Realized we had 176 people. Um, and we put our heads together and all of a sudden, the storm just kind of dropped off a little bit. We saw some farmhouse lights, and we realized we could get everybody into the farmhouse. So we uh, we actually had to carry the kids because the wind was blowing so hard and got everybody into the, the farmhouse and set up a little command post in the farmhouse. Uh, fortunately, the power stayed on. And in the meantime, the uh, command center that was running the incident, they tried everything they could to... to get to us they even bust in or uh, trucked in um like snow groomers from the north shore mountains and they couldn't make it into us snowmobiles uh four by four rescue trucks armored personnel carriers and then eventually we commandeered a train from uh, southern bc rail and we were able to pile everybody into a train 48 hours later and get everybody out there was actually it was 176 people in our area and there was another 200 or so across the, the Sumas Prairie that ended up having to be rescued. A Greyhound bus full of cheerleaders, you name it. It was a ridiculous story. Yeah, you should have got Woo. that. should have got that cool. <laughs> I know, we got the wrong detail. <laughs> so this was right at the beginning of your career. Yep. So how long were you in before... Then this was as a paramedic, is that correct? No, that was as a search and rescue volunteer. So as a search and rescue volunteer. Okay, so you were the, you were you were a SAR guy, you get this call, um, and then this was what then kind of spurred you into taking a career in helping others and the, the paramedic style then after that, I guess, hey? Yeah, exactly. But did you have enough toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> you never had enough toilet paper. Yeah, <laughs> 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 
It's key. It's crucial. Um, so after rescuing 176 people via train, which this whole story is just, there's a movie there somewhere, I'm sure. I, I think it's trains, planes, and automobiles. It's <laughs> loosely based. Just nothing's getting in. Miles is John Candy. <laughs> so, Miles, what happened then? Because obviously, you know, you've you've now had this this massive entrance into uh, into helping others service and then you transferred then is that when you started uh, a little bit more then towards the paramedic side so tell us a little bit more about that there yeah i just um i took a long hard look at what i'd been doing i'd been kind of bouncing around from different jobs being a carpenter being a salesman other things like that and i realized that i just needed to do something more so i looked at all the different emergency services and i guess decided that being a paramedic was the most appealing to me at the time. Right. And so, so how many years then did you, uh, were you, were you part of the, the service there? Uh, I was with like with BC Ambulance Service. You know? Yeah. Uh, I was with BC Ambulance Service for 21 years. Oh, wow. That's a, so I, I assume from there, then you probably went on to do advanced paramedic stuff as well then. Yep. Yeah. I'm an, I'm an advanced life support paramedic. Right. Right. So, um, through through your paramedic career, then obviously you've you've grabbed all those skills, and then uh, obviously now you're you're doing something completely different in the sense of uh, you're you're not driving the driving the bus to the calls. You're doing something slightly different there. So, um, what is it that you do right now, right at this precise time? So, these days I'm president of Team Aeromedical, which is a, it's like an aeromedical rescue program. It's primarily helicopter based, but we've got a, a forward by rescue ambulance that we operate also. So I spend probably 75% of my time in front of a computer on the phone, um, you know, doing, doing the admin and that kind of thing. Um, but I'm also uh, still a dope on a rope, still a paramedic. Uh, so I'm still in the back of the aircraft and underneath it. So with uh with those how did you how did you transfer from being just a ground paramedic uh, paramedic into into an aerial paramedic how did that progress well i'd always always been a search and rescue paramedic um you know since i became a paramedic i just blended the skill set so i was um still involved with search and rescue heavily um and used my paramedic skills with search and rescue um and you know, doing that, it evolved into being a pro patroller at Worcester Black Home for 15 years also. And hmm. primarily my role there is to, to uh, do medevacs and drink coffee and ski. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, uh, the skills kind of blended. Um, and then I had a kind of a few pivotal moments in my life that uh, made me realize that there was a big gap in the provision of pre-hospital care in BC. And so I attempted numerous ways to, to fill the gap, um, went to, went to BC Ambulance Service and tried to get them to fill the gap and then went to Emergency Management BC and tried to get them to do the same and then realized that uh, the only way it was going to happen is if we you know, took the bull by the horns and made a program ourselves. So if you don't mind, would you mind just talking a little bit about what uh, what it was that kind of what spurred that change that that mindset of just you know what well, I understand when you hit a brick wall with certain services I mean it happens to us all right there's only so much you can do 
uh, before people just shut down and they just won't listen, unfortunately. And good for you for taking the onus and, and making the decision to do it. What, if you don't mind me asking, what were the things that, that really just hit and made you think, you know what? Screw it. I'm doing it myself. Um, it's a kind of a heavy topic, but January 19th of 2014, I was working a night shift in North Vancouver and I was assigned to, eventually assigned to a cardiac arrest on one of the North Shore Mountains that turned out to be my friend of 20 years, um, my station chief and my team leader from North Shore Rescue. Um, and we were assigned to, to his cardiac arrest and told to wait in the parking lot as per uh, the current policy of the employer at the time. Um, so when Tim was brought to us, unfortunately too much time had elapsed and there was nothing that we could have done to change the outcome. We definitely threw the book at him. Um, we did everything we possibly could, emptied the drug kit, um, pushed the boundaries of every every guideline that we had. Uh, but unfortunately, he didn't survive the event because he had just been down too long without uh, appropriate medical care. Um, this was definitely a pivotal moment in my career. It, uh, it ultimately... Um, led to um, my post-traumatic stress, I can't say PTSD because it's not a disorder, but uh, my post-traumatic stress diagnosis, my, my life kind of unraveled a little bit afterward. Um, and April 1st of 2019, I was responding with um, a volunteer search and rescue agency for uh, a 24-year-old female in cardiac arrest in the backcountry. And um, we knew that she was a special case. She fit a certain criteria that um, made her a, a very viable patient. Uh, unfortunately, an air ambulance wasn't going to be launched for it because it didn't meet the criteria at the time. Um, so we kind of took the bull by the horns and decided that we would... Uh, if they weren't going to send us an air ambulance, we would just fly to the air ambulance base and get them to to uh, take on this patient and get her to the medical care she needed, which was uh, the ECMO center in Vancouver in general. Extracorporeal membrane oxygenation is what the, the treatment is. She'd been in cardiac arrest for four hours by the time we got her to ECMO. And um, because of the treatment that she got at that specialized center, she made a complete recovery. Um, despite being basically denied an air ambulance and not not being given the opportunity to to get to that center with the normal chain of command, so I was kind of you know looking at the two cases and realizing that that we followed the rules and and my friend died, um, and we broke or bent the rules, and this this young woman survived. Um, so I went to BC Ambulance Service and, and uh, proposed to them that we put together uh, a program, a pilot program on the North Shore comprised of advanced life support paramedics that were search and rescue trained, because many of us are, um, that could sort of do a dual role, work a regular ALS ambulance and then respond to SAR calls and be the designated SAR medical provider. Um, 
they they were concerned about the the liability of of putting people in the technical terrain that search and rescue works in. Um, went to the SAR agencies and asked if they wanted to do a similar thing, and they were they were concerned about the medical legal liability of it. Um, and so, yeah, in the midst of all of my post-traumatic stress treatments and my, my life or my career ending in the traditional manner, we decided to go it alone and build our own program. Um, it was incredibly challenging, <laughs> political, um, but also incredibly therapeutic. And, and it's really helped me with my post-traumatic stress without a doubt, uh, as well as it's definitely helped the patients that we've been able to reach and make a difference with. So it's, uh, it's been incredibly rewarding despite all the challenges. And yeah, Miles, I think, uh, definitely, you know, from seeing what you guys have done with, with, with team, um, you know, you guys are definitely a leader in the industry. It's, uh, there's not many services in our province that provide the support that you guys are, are offering. So I think it's pretty awesome. Um, I think it's also important to say that, uh, you know, that, that one case that you guys did, um, with the, uh, the young lady who was in cardiac arrest, um, up in the snow there, that's that case you do, you travel and speak to that too. Don't you, you give some presentations on that? Yeah. I, I don't know if I speak to the case and make smart ass comments and, you know, put on a good show <laughs> so there was a there was a specific uh there was hypothermic cardiac arrest is yeah, that correct that's what he's talking about. yep so do, I, I know that that's something uh as well that you're you're kind of again what Todd was saying you 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 travel and you talk about this would you like to touch on that a little bit for us yeah I've, I've traveled all over north america uh to speak about the case as a way to illustrate how um, a little bit of knowledge can make a big difference with this particular patient population. Um, so, yeah, I've been hosted at all sorts of different different uh, venues all over North America to speak about it. Um, it's a fun case to speak about, without a doubt. There's uh, there's some pretty funny things that happened, uh, some pretty amazing things that fell into place to allow her to have the positive outcome that she did. Um and some pretty incredible people that, that I was able to work with to, to actually make it all happen. Absolutely. You know what you should do? You should do, uh, like, a, record your one of your presentations and post it attached to your team or your social media stuff so people could, could see that. Because when I sat in, uh, when you were up here teaching uh, the SARMED training, um, it was awesome. I've been waiting to hear that for a long time, and it's, it's an incredible story to tell. Oh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely something we'd be again interested in in looking at. So I know, obviously, it's probably too much to go into right now, but definitely something that uh, if you did put something together, we'd be more than happy to help promote that for you as well and, and showcase to other people that, again, sharing that knowledge and, and letting everybody know is what we try and do best as much as we can, just to get that information out there, which is what we try and do with every one of these episodes. So that'd be great if you do end up doing something like that. Please let us know. Absolutely, but we will we'll kind of skim over for now, but we'll move forward. So, with uh, with that itself, obviously you had that call, and then obviously you started something. So it sounds like to me you had um, you had attempted through multiple different paths to try and make some big changes, which were batted down through liability reasons on both sides of a fence, 
And then from there, you said, well, screw it. I'm just going to do my own thing. And that's when, obviously, you were going through um, some real hard times yourself. And that actually helped you through by creating this and helping other people um, and and progressing that way through through all of the, the trauma as well yourself. So do you want to speak a little bit about um, maybe some, some things at the beginning of when you started Team and how that kind of began? Sure. It, um, it actually started at a coffee shop and not the Tim Hortons slop you guys have been to there, but uh, a good coffee shop just, just about three blocks from my house in Squamish. Well, you guys have uh, a lot friend. of good coffee shops in Squamish. We do have a lot of good coffee shops in Squamish. There are two Tim Hortons. Um, Tim Hortons is a gateway drug. <laughs> you're, you're ruining usually, our Tim Hortons sponsorship here. <laughs> yeah, usually Tim Hortons gets people into good coffee, but something's something's regressed with you guys. <laughs> but yeah, so we were we were sitting at a at a table on the patio outside the coffee shop and saying somebody's got to somebody's got to make this change. And uh, and then we both looked at each other and said, well, you know what? Let's just see what we can do. So we we started building the program, and we were we were really focused on helping search and rescue teams. Um, you know, outside of uh, a few search and rescue teams, there the medical care um, is not the the same level of medical care that you would get on a critical care air ambulance. Um, and so we were quite focused on on adding the highest possible level of medical care to search and rescue situations. And we brought on a, an accountant who came from forestry and he said, you know, you guys are missing the boat. I said, well, what are you talking about? And uh, he said, look at this report from the BC Forest Safety Ombudsman. Uh, so we read this report from the BC Forest Safety Ombudsman. Uh, it was on helicopter EMS in, in British Columbia. And it basically laid out that the forest industry needed exactly what we were building. And we had no idea that industry would need this. Um, just a, you know, a couple of bonehead paramedics, I guess we just, we didn't realize that outside of our little, little, uh, focus in the world, um, there was a, a much bigger gap than we realized. Uh, we ran into a bunch of politics in, in doing this when, uh, when it came to trying to help volunteer search and rescue, but we realized that industry in itself was screaming out for what we were building. Um, and in particular, the, the uh, Western Forestry Contractors Association, which is a provincial association for tree planters and silviculture, they jumped on board and, and uh, supported us. The energy sector, uh, to a certain degree, uh, there's one, one large company, Interjects, which is a renewable energy company. They've jumped on board as a major sponsor. And uh, they've been able to, to prove to others that, that this service not only provides the best possible patient care and rescue, but it also provides uh, a huge cost saving for WorkSafe BC and eventually the healthcare system. Um, and our, our first mission itself was, was proof positive of that. And we're just in the process of, of uh, enacting a study that will show the, the uh, medical economics of what we're doing and, and how outstanding it is. Not to mention the patient care. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, I know Todd's got something on Todd. Uh, do you just want to touch base on uh, kind of who works for you as well? Like, you know, because uh, as far as paramedics and 
uh, advanced care paramedics, physicians, etc. Um, you know, it's a it's a long story that I'll make longer for sure. <laughs> um, we we started with a core group of guys, um, and when I say guys, it's International Women's Day. Um, guys includes women. We've we've got uh, a small cadre of amazing women on the team also, um, but we started. Primarily with a bunch of, of uh, search and rescue paramedics and ski patrollers, um, you know the the biggest example I'll throw out there is John Wilcox, who's who's got forty years of experience, um, both on an air ambulance, um, in search and rescue, in uh, you know pro ski patrolling, and uh, he's he's about half my size, and, and he's got three times my energy. <laughs> And uh, he's in his 60s now. He, when he retired um, from being a full-time paramedic, as as people do, he took up uh, you know an old man's sport of paragliding. And uh, <laughs> he, if you talk to his wife, he fell 150 feet. If you talk to him, he fell about five feet. But um, he had a his uh, his canopy collapse on him, and and he thundered in about 100 feet into the ground in some trees uh, ironically was rescued by a good friend um, and and team air crew member search and rescue paramedic Tony Fryer who's with Chilliwack search and rescue as well um, and John we didn't think was ever going to walk again his injuries were were so severe that uh, it looked like he was going to be wheelchair bound um, so when I went to his home and pitched the idea of this crazy team program um, in my mind, I was pitching pitching it to him as him being an air operations coordinator. Um, but he said, "Miles, this is such an awesome idea, and it's an idea that it's time has come." And he said, "I'm going to make it my focus to um, be fully capable physically to be an air crew member." And as luck would have it, he was my partner on the first mission. Holy That's awesome! That's insane. It, yeah. Well, motivation, um, though, I guess, hey? Yeah, yeah. It, I still get goosebumps talking about it. Yeah, it was, you know, I'm getting them now. A couple of years ago now. But, um, those aren't goosebumps what you're having there. but yeah. <laughs> Todd, get off my leg. <laughs> <laughs> um, other guys that we've got involved, our, our chief medical advisor is um, the head of, of uh, research for Fraser Health Authority. He runs the ICU at Surrey. Um, and he's the medical director for, for Whistler Blackcomb. Um, absolutely brilliant doctor. Um, totally hilarious. Great guy. Uh, our, our assistant medical director is um, a professor of anesthesiology in Newfoundland. Um, he travels from Newfoundland to his place in Whistler about half the year. And so when he's here, he puts in shifts for us. But he's also available by phone if we... You know, for whatever reason, have to get orders for medications or, or treatment plans. Um, we've got uh, Jordan Lawrence, our vice president. He's he's a thirty year um, paid on call firefighter. Was a fire chief for a little while um, up north, and and uh, just recently retired from Squamish Fire. Um, so he heads up our auto extrication program. Um, he's a primary care paramedic, also uh, with a search and rescue background. Um, so we'll always have two either paramedics, nurses, or, or doctors on the aircraft. Um, we also have you know, auto ex technicians, swift water rescue technicians, mountain rescue, um, 
techs, and most of our people are cross-trained in all of that, uh, as well as we've got some of the, the best mountain guides in Canada um, that come with a rescue background uh, involved in our program as, as our guide program. So if we're you know, performing a rescue in, in technical mountain terrain, we'll, uh, we'll pick up you know, one or two of the, the best guides around um, and they'll make sure that you know the rescue is performed safely. They'll they'll uh, you know provide the technical rescue capability while we provide the medicine. Um, we've got actually one of our board members is still uh, still living in in Australia. He's got 15 years experience as a, a hoist rescue swimmer uh, based out of Australia. And uh, you know I hate to say it, but uh, when it comes to aeromedical rescue in the world we are 50 years behind australia and new zealand and 53 years behind switzerland Jeez. um and so we've traveled to switzerland uh, i was just in new zealand in the summer um and learned tons from you know companies like air zermatt yeah. um air glacier rega um and a couple of different uh, air rescue organizations in, in australia and new zealand and so yeah we've got a a wide range of, of skill sets and, and personalities that uh, that we have on our aircraft at any given time. You spent some time with uh, Air Zermatt, or Zermatt, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I fooled my wife into taking a holiday to Europe and then <laughs> played with helicopters well pretty played. much the entire time <laughs> that we were there. She was at the small. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the guys at, at Air Zermatt were just incredible people. Uh, they opened the doors to us and, and they had great coffee too. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, and good coffee cake. Was, yeah. Anyway, it was, a, it was a pleasure to be there. They uh, they do about 1,500 rescues a year in the mountains around Zermatt. Um, they, I was there on their 50th anniversary and so I got to meet their founder um, and listen to some of his challenges in starting the program up. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was interesting to hear how, you know, 50 years back, they, uh, they had similar challenges to what, what we've had here starting up. Um, so yeah, they're, they're absolutely the best in the world and, uh, they're, we're a bit of a, you know, like a brother company to them that I reach out to, to Gerald, their CEO pretty regularly and, and chat and, um, we're, you know, trading swag back and forth. So we're trying to catch up. With their with their swag capabilities because their swag game is really strong. <laughs> they uh, it, so these guys are some of the best of the best, and you're training under these guys, right? In, in a sense, like you you you're like you said, almost a brother company to that, I guess, eh? Yep. Fantastic. It sounds like uh, just from sitting here again, it's that you have hands on with some phenomenal people in all aspects of the game here uh like a, a real elite squad that you're you're working with um it how uh how did you manage to get everybody on board um it, literally it's it's been stunning actually to see um you know i'll throw i'll throw my my buddy tyler Simmons name out he travels from from uh, Alberta. He lives in Calgary. Fools his family into uh, jumping in his his man van and and uh, driving out to Squamish for a week at a time, and he'll put put in shifts there because uh, so many of us just see the need for the program that people are volunteering their time. Devin and Tony, uh, I'm going to throw Tony out there. I spell his name with an I all the time. 
T-O-N-I. <laughs> um, they travel from Chilliwack, which is a two-hour drive, uh, and they'll come out and do shifts, and, and they won't get paid until they get a mission. And uh, they're just so dedicated to making it happen that, that you know, our guys are, are devoting themselves to, to being part of this change. It's, uh, I mean, I, I don't even know what to say this. <laughs> it's, it literally just sounds like you've got the best of the best being trained by some of the best in the world doing a service that is just expanding everywhere. Uh, are you looking at growing yourself right now? or? Uh, you mean me personally or the organization? Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> we know your waistline does, but it's all about coffee cake, right? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The organization no, we, itself. We, we definitely have a, a plan. Uh, we call it the World Domination Plan. There you go. But, um, we, would, we would like to offer the service to every part of the province. We, we can be from Squamish with good weather. We can be in Prince George in two hours with the aircraft that we have. Jeez. Um, but we're, we're looking at expanding to Prince George, which would be Team 2, uh, by summer 2020. And uh, we do have we do have an eye to five bases across the province, but uh, we just obviously have to to be tac- tactical about what we're doing and make sure that we uh, we have a strong financial plan. That sounds fantastic. I mean, yeah. If there's anything that we can do, which I doubt there is, <laughs> to help, <laughs> just give us a shot. Yeah, with our financial plan is terrible, right? <laughs> 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 the uh, one thing I, I wanted to touch on there um, was that obviously we all understand that the pre-hospital care in Canada, uh, and we talked about it on a couple of different episodes, especially with Dr. Nick um, Sparrow, which we had on the other week, um, pre-hospital care definitely needs some work. It needs adjusting, it needs reviewing, it needs looking at, and people with opinions need to start looking into these things and, uh, and doing what you have done, Take, taking, the, taking the chances, doing your own thing and changing it yourselves because obviously the, the bigger names aren't aren't on board yet so it, with that in mind what would you say are some of the key things that uh, you're trying to do when it comes to that pre-hospital care side of things and how that has really helped change what you guys are doing for your patients um first off i, I definitely want to give a shout out to the paramedics that are out there doing the work every day um that's one thing that that we want to absolutely make sure of is that people don't think that we're bad-mouthing anybody um, because the, the paramedics that are out there putting their heart and soul into their shifts um, and doing the best for their community, they're, they're outstanding. And some of the paramedics I've worked with in my career for, for uh, you know 21 years with BCI Milled Service, I, w- I would trust my life to. There's, there's no doubt about it. The, the problem is that... that um, once you get out of the larger urban centers, and in particular in industry, uh, industry is is responsible for their own um, medical and rescue care, and uh, and so yeah, we've kind of we, we've found this this big big hole, and uh, you know are doing our best to, to fill that gap. We uh, we do use a lot of of uh, paramedics as employees that that are employed by BC Ambulance Service because the skill set that they build with BC Ambulance Service is outstanding. Uh, particularly, you know, our, our ALS and critical care guys that have that have worked in major centres like Vancouver are second to none, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Our PCPs, our primary care paramedics that 
uh, that work for us as rescue specialists. Uh, again, you know, out, outstanding uh, practitioners and and people that I would definitely, you know, if, if my son or my wife got uh, injured or ill, I would I would trust their lives to to those guys also. Yeah, I'd say like, you know, your your passion for what you're doing with team, you know, it's uh, even when I mean I met you through the ambulance service and. I had the honor of looking at you as one of my mentors, and I learned a lot from you as well. And you know, there's there's so many people in our service, um, a bunch of our friends that look up towards you as a mentor and just coworker. And I'm glad you you mentioned that about the paramedics because, as you know, working down in Vancouver, it's it's a pretty tight family, and that skill set you get is uh, is huge. Still there? <laughs> yeah, I went awkwardly quiet for a second. <laughs> I think you planned that just to make Todd feel a little bit. Usually, once Todd starts talking, it just. <laughs> no, I think uh, it. So, what? Uh, what now? What's What's the plan for you now? What Like, what direction are you moving in right now? What's the big thing on your plate right now? Um. Right now, we, we're. Um, We've got two things that are really interesting coming across our, our plate. Aside from the uh, the northern expansion plan, um, there's two insurance-based types of, of uh, funding model that we're pursuing. We, we don't want people to be worried about a large bill when they call us. Uh, obviously, anytime there's a helicopter involved, the, the bill can can get expensive. Um, you know, our, our first bill... What's interesting, you know, being being a bonehead paramedic that doesn't really think about numbers outside of drug calculations much, um, now I'm thrust into this this role where I have to look at the the medical economics of what we're doing. Um, our first mission, for example, was was uh, a four thousand five hundred and twenty dollar bill to the end user, and it saved WorkSafe and the healthcare system nine million dollars. Holy shit! So um, when we deliver a bill to a client, you know, our highest bill has been 19000 um, The back end of that, the cost savings are, are unbelievable. Um, and the difference in patient care is unbelievable, which is really what's most important to us. But we have to be able to back it up with economics. And so, um, again, through the Western Forestry Contractors Association and now the BC Forest Safety Council, um, We've had a huge amount of support from them, and they've lobbied WorkSafe BC to um, start to fund our missions. Mm. Um, and so, within the next six months, we we anticipate that uh, we'll have, have been able to prove the business case to have WorkSafe cover workers' costs. Um, at the same time, we're working with a, a global rescue. Um, company called Global Rescue International um, and we're building an insurance based model so um, let's say Todd is is uh, working as a, a logger somewhere and, and he's a faller um, the falling company, the logging company has to provide an emergency response plan to meet WorkSafe guidelines um, and so they're on the, on the hook for the bill but if they use this insurance based plan then the um, 
the worker can have the cost of the rescue covered for about 119 bucks a year. Um, and so that can be, you know, can save you 20,000 bucks down the line. Um, but then also save work safe in the healthcare system money. So, so the insurance based model is interesting to us because, uh, it just opens up the client to less financial risk. Um, and the other side of it is being a partner with global rescue. We can rescue one of their clients from, I don't know, let's, let's say Mount Logan and uh, get them to Vancouver General where they need treatment, and then we can fly them home to wherever they came from. Let's say it's New York or, or whatever, and that's all covered under the insurance-based model. Crazy. So let me get this straight. So you start off your career as somebody who saves 176 people via train you commandeered. Then you move into being a paramedic. Through your paramedic career, you then try and change the system internally through both through both BC Ambulance and SAR. None of that works, so you decide that through all of this, that and fighting through your own post-traumatic stress, that you're gonna take the leap with friends of yours to then start this aerial company which saves people. And now you're also telling me that you're also trying to make this as cheap as possible for everyone and saving the province millions of dollars every call. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> You make me feel real lazy. <laughs> <Miles. laughs> well, I, I gotta say, man, congratulations! Like, and honestly, thank you. That's that is mm. insane. That is that's such a what a change. What mm. a, what an absolute change. Ash. Yeah, that I mean, that entire story, the entire way that it folds out there, sounds just. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. It's very very impressive. I think I have a, a bit of a grasp on industry how how they would uh utilize you guys uh for medical response but outside of industry how are you guys dispatched like how like how how does that come together um if it was a uh somebody in the private sector that you know we would need your services they would need your services how are you guys dispatched so it depends on on how the call comes in um people that are signed up with us as, as a patron or an, under the insurance-based model, uh, they get a direct line to us. Uh, so there's six of us that are air, op, air ops coordinators that carry the phone. Um, we're all rescue paramedics um, with access to our, our physicians, and it's a direct call to us. Um, you're not, you know, you know, the example I'll give is if you hit the 911 button on your inReach, it goes to a call center in Texas, and it can sometimes take quite a long time before the appropriate resource is sent uh, with our program. You call our number, you get us, and uh, when the, the phone number is, is uh, called, the crew is paged, they're heading to the aircraft, the aircraft's getting pulled out, so there's no delay. Um, our goal is to have a 15-minute launch window, so... Um, will be in the air within you know, 15 to 20 minutes of, of the call coming in. Um, so yeah, people phone us direct. It cuts out a huge amount of, of time loss. Um, and you know, I've had people call my personal cell also, and, and that will initiate a response as well. So working with uh, uh, search, uh, search and rescue organizations down uh 
in the coast there. Are they able to like? Are they able to reach out to you? As the well? only search like, and rescue organization that can use us currently is the Canadian Forces. Okay. So we're we're on their their uh, asset list as um, highest level of medical care. Right. And rapid response because we can launch in such a short time frame. Um, we have had a local search and rescue team try to use us, uh, and they just weren't given permission through mm-hmm. Emergency Management BC. But uh, you know, we're it's early days, but uh, I, I think people are starting to realize that we're in, we're not a threat, uh, but we're an added asset that that can really make a difference in pe- people's outcomes. Absolutely, it definitely sounds a lot. A lot like along the lines of also what we were talking about with Nick the other day, you know, again, people get territorial with certain things and they forget that what we're actually involved in is service. We're there to serve and it's not about us and our egos and our our self, you know, and what we're trying to do. It's about what we're trying to do for other people. And uh, it sounds like you started this and continue to roll this whole project through that same frame of mind, which is, I think, why you've been so successful. It's not a selfish regime that's trying to raise funds and do things for yourself it's a group of extremely skilled people that are dedicated to a cause pay or not they are ready to roll and do the job and that is it's completely admirable and fantastic i yeah Talk. i had a, a friend you know jordan our, our vice president he used to make fun of of the name team is an acronym for technical evacuation advanced aeromedical um, and he thought it was a pretty cheesy name at first, but then he's he's that guy that throws it out all the time. You know, teamwork, team this, team that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but it, somebody actually said, like, if you look at, at um, you know people that have tried this in the past, it, it's all in the name. And we're very team focused, um, and the name demonstrates that at the start. But when people work with us, they realize that it, it's all about building the team so that the patient gets the best care possible. Um, so I think it's also important just to touch base on uh, the fact that, you know, it's not just all medical stuff that you guys are providing to you. Like when you talk about the rescue side of things, like uh, what are some of the tools that you guys carry? Uh, so we we actually realized fairly early on from seeing, seeing calls happen where, you know, one responder would get sent to uh, a vehicle rollover in, in the backcountry. And realize that they don't have the, the technical skills to stabilize a vehicle and, and provide a safe auto extrication. Um, so we went to um, KGC Tools through Jordan's connection there. Um, and Homatro donated uh, an amazing combi tool. Um, so we've got battery-powered um, auto extrication tools from Homatro that were purpose-built for the U.S. Uh, special forces the u.s air force pjs um so it's it's backpackable it's you know it's a 30 pound kit um it's not a not a huge auto extrication kit but it's everything we need to be able to get into a logging truck uh you know a piece of logging machinery that's rolled over um it just didn't make sense to us to be able to provide this high-end medical care in places where no fire department can respond um and actually cut somebody out of a vehicle. So we've we've been able to, to build a, a small auto X kit for that. Um, we have, oh, let me think about it, a bunch of different different tools, um, you know, from avalanche rescue capability, 
Um, we're building with the guides a crevasse rescue capability. You know, as climate change hits, we we see more and more crevasse rescues happening. Um, and so we're building a crevasse rescue capability that's, again, based on, on um, battery-operated products so that we can winch somebody out with one or two people um, as opposed to having a, a large haul team to, to haul somebody out of a crevasse. Do you, do you normally, like, do you keep that stuff on the, uh, like, I'd, I would assume that gets pretty heavy if you keep everything on the chopper. So do you go by the call? Do you take it in, like... Yeah, so we have, uh, everything is, is um, weighed. So every pack has a, a chunk of duct tape on it with, with its weight. And so when we get the, when the mission drops and we get the mission profile, we decide which equipment we need to take. Um, we fill out a, a quick... Um, quick form that gives all the weights so there's the the what we call the wet weight of the crew member which is you know helmet harness um all the gear you're wearing radios um you know leathermans all that kind of stuff is factored into your weight How much coffee and, um, yeah <laughs> and, you know i'm i'm quite a light guy um, <laughs> so we have to schedule me with a bucko five guy but um <laughs> But yeah, so we, we factor in the weight of all the equipment. We give that to the pilot. He punches it into his flight computer. That gives him the weights to work with, uh, the altitude of where we're flying to, the temperatures and all that kind of stuff. And that, that allows us to um, take on the correct amount of fuel for the mission that we need. So the lighter we are with gear, the more fuel we can put in the aircraft, the further our range. That's fun. I love the idea of the the uh, just the tape on the, the equipment. Like a, just again another quick pre-check, something small, something simple. Tape and a black marker sharpie, and away you go. Like that's that's quality. Mm -hmm. Kev, you had something? Uh, yeah. So I think a lot of people, well, maybe in Western Canada, are a little more familiar with like stars. You know, out of Alberta there. Yep. What's what's kind of the difference? Like, do you guys have a, a difference between your model and their model? Like what? Uh, yeah. Can you speak to the differences? So, Stars is an excellent program, um, and actually, two of our docks are Stars docks. Also, one one is uh, Emerge Dock at Vancouver General, and he heads out to the Manitoba base and uh, you know does a week at a time flying for Stars in Manitoba. Uh, another guy is out of the Calgary base. He's a, a pediatric anesthesiologist. And uh, so SARS is, is excellent when it comes to their program, their medical care, their education program, uh, and they're an absolute fundraising machine. Um, so we've definitely looked at the STARS program for their, their medical care, um, their fundraising capability, and, uh, but we've then added the rescue capability. So STARS is... Um, a critical care air ambulance uh, but when it comes to rescue they'll they'll be able to land in in um, remote places but they won't be able to hoist or do the long line work that we do and they also won't be able to um, provide auto extrication swift water rescue or mountain rescue so you guys are like stars on steroids that's yeah you know, we've been described caffeine that before <laughs> yeah, yeah, caffeine, yeah. Yeah, too much coffee <laughs> So, Miles, I, I uh, you know, we've, we've got a lot of info. I, one thing I'd love to touch on would be your uh, your your first mission. 
um, with the with teams, like uh, your very first one out. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, it was actually it was kind of a funny call. Um, I was just interviewing a, a nurse, um, and I said, you know, we're a brand new organization, um, and so you know we haven't done a mission yet. And just as I said that, the the call came in. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm really sorry, but uh, I gotta let you go because um, I'm on the aircrew roster today. So um, I'll see you later. And she's like, Oh my god, this is so exciting! Here for the first mission. But uh, and then I I uh, walked out to the flight line, and Ben, the the base manager for the Squamish base, who's one of our biggest supporters, he he was actually doing a show and tell for um, a local air cadets group. And so I yelled across the flight line, hey, Ben, we got a mission. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm like, no, 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 we got a mission. It's our first mission. He's like, what? what? <laughs> Quickly uh, passed the kids over to somebody else and, and got things rolling for us. Um, I ha- you know, I happened to be at the base for it, but John Wilcox uh, came from home. Uh, it took him 10 minutes or so to get in. And it was, uh, it, again, just some interesting ironies of, of uh, you know, John being on the first mission. The uh, the faller that actually was injured was um, a guy that went to his employer and said, hey, I've heard about this program. You guys should sign up with it. And then two weeks later, he was the, the patient, uh, our first patient. Wow, that sounds like a setup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Someone cut um, his ribs. <laughs> so, yeah, he was, he was uh, there were, at a remote cut block uh, out on the north end of Harrison Lake, and he just fall the tree, and out of nowhere, a sixty foot tree uh, hit him in the in the small of his back and knocked him down the slope about fifty feet. Um, when he came to, he he was screaming in pain. Um, called on the radio, and they called us right away. Uh, we launched as quickly as we could. My my neighbor and, and friend Pat was our our pilot. Um, wicked guy he's a ginger just like my son so i'd like to call him a day walker but you know, call him redheads day walkers so that gave me a redheaded son um, but yeah so uh, wicked crew of three um we we ended up landing because they were worried that there might be danger trees nearby because of what had happened um they they'd done a very safe assessment of the scene and uh, but we were able to land close by and hoof him out. But uh, he was being cared for by first aid attendants. And they they'd done an awesome job. They had him on a spine board on his side, and they were doing everything they could for him. Um, he had a grapefruit-sized hematoma in the small of his back, and underneath that, he, he had uh, burst fractures of his his T spine and, and lumbar spine. And so those those burst fractures are you know base, basically shards of bone surrounding the spinal cord. Um, so any any kind of movement could have severed the spinal cord. So we uh, we arrived. Um, Todd knows my my love of gear, um, and I, I quickly you know got got to the patient side. I'm, on my chest rig, I've I've got uh, the company logo for the the chest rig is is uh, a skull, and so this this guy was screaming in pain. I uh, I medicated him. Uh, completely took his pain away, put him into a, the perfect zone with ketamine, and he went from screaming in pain to pointing at my chest rig and saying, "Dude, is that the Punisher?" <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was awesome to see the pain just disappear on the guy. Um, we we 
provided him with heating blankets because of his, his trauma. Um, we want to fight hypothermia. So we, uh, we put about three different heating blankets on him. Um, and then reflective blankets, uh, and then got them into a vacuum spine board, which I'm seeing more and more search and rescue teams and, and uh, fire departments getting into vacuum, vacuum spine boards instead of, of spine boards or clamshells. And in this guy's case, it, it uh, just provided him with, with the best possible stabilization of his, his uh, broken spine. Um, and then, yeah, we... Uh, continue the the uh, medication of his pain to try and keep him in the zone. We actually put him to sleep for a little while, um, just in the extrication, just to make sure that he, he wasn't uh, you know, feeling any pain that he did, didn't need to feel. Uh, hoofed him off, uh, did a quick ultrasound to uh, to look for any internal bleeding or, or um, you know, collapsed lungs or anything like that. Uh, and then off we went. Um, it's about a 25-minute flight. Um, in each direction in about 20 minutes on scene, um, including hoofing them out. Uh, and then off to, to, we ended up meeting BC Air Ambulance. Um, we, we do have a, a gentleman's agreement that we'll try and involve BC Ambulance Service at uh, the end of our, our transports to make sure that we're not taking work away from, from QB Union members. Um, and so we'll always involve BC Ambulance in our missions. And they wanted to meet our our air ambulance with their air ambulance. Um, and so we met at Squamish and they continued the, the transport to Vancouver General. But he was um, in uh, in Vancouver General Emergency Department within 90 minutes of his accident. Um, I can flat out tell you, I've, I've got a pretty beefy Jeep. Um, you know, it's jacked up with 37-inch tires on it. And it's, uh, you know, it's a monster. And the road that they would have driven out with him if they hadn't called us, uh, I've had parts fall off my Jeep on that road. It's so rough. And uh, so he would have had a, typically it's a, if you're driving fast in a 4 by 4 it can be an eight-hour drive from where he was um, to the nearest hospital. And so with him in the back, uh, we anticipate there would have been a nine-hour drive to get to the local clinic. Um, and then, you know, once, once they involve you know, x-rays and other things um, before he had ended up at a trauma center it would, would have been, you know, 10 to 11 hours to get him to a trauma center. And instead we had him there in 90 minutes. The, uh, the neurosurgeon that, uh, that eventually worked on him had said he was familiar with the road and he said if, if he'd have gone out the traditional method that he had a, like a 95% chance of being paralyzed, um, and so because we got him there so quickly and with a minimum of, of injury aggravation with the extrication and flight out, uh, he was able to have surgery and walk out of the hospital and go back to work in just a matter of a few weeks. Wow. <laughs> and so, you know, goosebumps for me to say it because it was our first mission and, and we didn't save a guy's life, but we, we, made sure that um, he was able to walk and work again. Um, we got messages from the, the spouses of the people on that crew just saying, you have no idea what this means to us. We, we know that our husbands are you know, working in, in a dangerous industry. And up until now, we just knew that these, these accidents would happen and some guys wouldn't make it and some guys would. Um, 
and now we've got you guys, which for me just was the best possible feedback we could have, like best possible patient outcome, best possible patient care, um, seeing John operational on our first mission and seeing our program prove that it does make a big difference was uh, all the therapy I could need, really. It was amazing. That's awesome. <clears throat> I, uh, again, like I'm sure you've got many, many, many more of these, but for that one to be the first, especially with this guy already telling you know, the, the heads of the company that you guys were the ones who, if it happens, you're the ones to call and then you get the call and, and end up there. I, the Punisher thing's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, it, it truly sounds like you guys have taken this, um, you've taken this whole thing to heart. This is, this is a passion. This isn't a job. This isn't a career. This is a passion. You're out there to help people. Um, and you can hear it in your voice. You can hear it from, from everything that you're saying. And uh, it sounds like the rest of your crew are all the same. Coming on their downtime, <laughs> pulling their family down to Squamish to, to hang around in the hallway <laughs> for a call. I mean, it, it sounds like you've built, um, you have a business, but it sounds like you've built a family. And it sounds like that family are very dedicated to the calls. And uh, it sounds amazing. Um, it sounds extremely unique. And... Uh, I got to tell you, um, I got nothing but admiration for, for what you guys are doing. And um, thank you for taking the risk through everything. Thank you for seeing the gap. And thank you for making the effort to, to change the service. Because regardless of what happens inside or out, it's on all of us to do something if we see a hole. And we, we need to try and make sure that we try and do our best to, to do that. And when we are trying to all think about the actual service portion of the conversation, um, instead of self-motivated um you know uh, end games i think if if a lot more people thought the way that you did and your crew does i think we'd all be better off in the world not just here in canada so thank you i'm just uh grateful that, that i've been able to work with such an amazing team i mean i'm i'm the figurehead for sure but uh the people working behind the scenes are are the people that make it happen um and yeah, I'm, I'm just so moved. We've, we've got, I've constantly got one of, one of our, uh, women in my ear saying, you know, you need to hire more women. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, on international women's day, we, we just did a post about how incredible some of, some of the women involved in the program are. Um, and it's, it's humbling to be involved in a program that supports men and women of such a high caliber. Um, you know the the fact that I'm the figurehead. I sometimes shake my head. Like, how can I how can I be the figurehead of such incredible people? Because they are absolutely devoted, um, skilled, um, and absolute lifesavers. Congratulations to your team, man. Honestly, it it, it sounds like like I say you you built one hell of a crew. Um, and uh, I'm sure if anyone's listening and they feel like they got what it takes, maybe they'll reach out and uh, see if they can join up in some way. <laughs> well, we'll be, uh, we'll be doing an info session in Prince George in the coming weeks. So yeah, if anyone's listening from the North and they're interested, um, we're definitely looking for team players. We want people that are believers in the program and, and uh, are in it for the same reasons that we're in it for. Um, and then, yeah, the skill set that comes with it is sort of a, takes a backseat to the, the personality and, and the drive. 
that we want to see in our people. But uh, but yeah, we definitely need to have that mixed skill set and, and uh, awesome attitude. So Miles, just uh, how do uh, for people people listening? How do people reach out to you or find out more about your um, company? Uh, so we're on uh, the World Wide Web www.team.ca so it's www.teaam.ca we're on Facebook um, Instagram and I hate to say it Twitter <laughs> no TikTok <laughs> <laughs> You will lose hours of your day sitting on the toilet on TikTok. <laughs> you talking about that picture I have of you, Todd? <laughs> Please don't give it to these guys. <laughs> you don't know that was good as I do. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so, uh, the um, again, if, so that we can find you on the web, find you through facebook as well and uh, actually when we post this episode we'll make sure that we will also tag you in that as well so that uh, people can find you that way too sounds good we uh you know people that are interested we're always willing to give them a, a base tour we call it, we call it the man cave because it, it's a hangar where we keep all of our gear do our training and that kind of thing and it's got the all the carpet and uh furniture that my wife won't let me have at the house anymore <laughs> um and we also call it the she shed when uh, we've got women on staff. There you go, man. Um, thank you so much, Miles, for spending the time with us uh, today and, and uh, sharing your your story. Um, honestly, I'm blown away. <laughs> you you killed me with the 176 people at the beginning, and then it just got better from there. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a black cloud. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, we, we really, really appreciate the fact that you had some time for us to come on and have a chat. And uh, again, congratulations on building something that is extremely unique. And uh, thank you again for really trying to change the, the service. Likewise with you guys and, and your, uh, your program here. Thank you. Thank so, you. Yeah, I just want to say again, uh, thanks, Miles. And uh, in case people haven't figured out, um, you know, Miles' passions... You know, he's very passionate about coffee, good coffee. Good coffee, yep. <laughs> and also that team and family environment. When we worked together at the coast, uh, I can't remember if it was Christmas Eve or Christmas night, um, Miles went around, he put a coffee maker, not just a generic coffee maker, like the grinder, the press, in the ambulance, fresh beans, <laughs> and went to every crew at every station on our channel to make sure we were getting run off our feet to make sure that we had time to have a fresh real pot of coffee i drink stuff out of a red cup now so <laughs> red neck red cup Miles, thank you again. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, we'd love to have you on again, actually. i got one final question for you. Um, if, uh, if there was anybody else that uh, you think our listeners could benefit from uh, listening into, uh, is there somebody that you would recommend to that you know personally that you think should come on the show and, and talk about their experiences? Um, 
Yeah, I I think my uh, my buddy Tony Fryer from uh, Chilliwack Search and Rescue would be a, a great guy to talk to. He's a team guy um, and a search and rescue guy, and, and equally passionate about pre-hospital care. Fantastic. Maybe yeah. we can make that connection. That'd be great. Wicked. Yeah, Tony. Totally well, you spell his name T O N I. We will denim do. or denim Dan. <laughs> he just got a Superman tattoo on his chest. There you go. Like the full-on Superman, not just the symbol. Oh, man. <laughs> Perfect. He's awesome. Awesome, man. Miles, thank you again. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Guys, thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Miles. Wow. Um, well, where, where to start? <laughs> 176 people. I can't get that number out of my head. I mean, I nice. can't even remember my own phone number, but 176 people... <laughs> And that was just the start of what they said. You know, it was 200 others that they ended up finding after that. How crazy is that to start off your career with that? My head went straight to the toilet paper issue about the coronavirus. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was like, the right thing to do. How much talk. toilet paper do you have? <laughs> Why are we hearing about that more? It was all fro- what, frozen toilet paper? And no, not the frozen toilet paper. The 176 people were actually oh, like that. It was like a quite, quite some time ago. Quite some time ago, yeah. My, I was, he was a paramedic for 21 years. And then, um, well, I'm, I think he's been few years now out of it so quite some I, time ago. I just can't even imagine a storm like that in the Fraser Valley yeah it gets pretty <laughs> sideways down there yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's uh, it, everything that they're doing the team that they've built you can hear the passion in Miles's voice of what they're what they're trying to do and what they've already achieved and for all of that to come out of um, obviously the beginning portions with his his own uh, demons that he's that he was dealing with obviously the the great loss of his friend um right. and the the situations that kind of spurred that on through everything he's kind of walked out the other side and created something which is absolutely unique sounds like it's completely critical to the people that are in these remote areas especially um and is now obviously helping all of these other people um without having to follow a rule book per se um Again, that outside of the box, you know, sometimes our uh, sometimes our services and things are our rule books. They're all written so long ago that now we don't necessarily need to have it to that mm-hmm. standard. It's very different. Things have changed, but the rules just don't seem to sometimes. So to be able to reach outside of that, create something unique that is working is phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like they're doing very well for themselves now. Mm-hmm. That was a big gap in the industry and they found it and... I think once they expand here even more so um sounds like that needs gonna be, or that want is gonna is there yeah. so they're getting there well yeah. it'd be such a valuable resource if the province was to pick that up and just expand it like fund it properly and let them mm-hmm. expand throughout the province like i've always thought like when i asked about the stars well that's a huge um a huge resource for alberta and the other province saskatchewan manitoba personally my brother was saved by sars or stars, it saved his life. If it wasn't for them, mm-hmm. I, he wouldn't be alive today. Yeah. So having something like that, like the the BC Air Ambulance, that's huge for the province. But the things that they can do would be, I mean, it's like almost firefighters on on helicopters, like just wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty insane. That is crazy. Did you have something, Scott? Oh, I was just thinking about the. Uh if the only problem when the province gets involved it's then it becomes a, well, yeah. a the government starts to get involved I, I, it sounds like that was a, again 
um, kind of what the issue was. Um, the government didn't step up, and it's similar to what uh, what uh, Doctor Sparrow was running into, um, mm-hmm. you know, running into these um, kind of bureaucratic. Um, it gets quagmires, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and every and every fire service runs into it, I think, and every you know every EHS yeah. service, and it's unfortunate that they put that stuff ahead of the patient care a lot of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it takes people like Miles and and Nick to uh, step out of that. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're leaders in in the industry and and where their mindset is, and it's starting to take off slowly, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. Take off. Okay. Hey! Uh, get, get to the chopper. <laughs> oh, actually, that the the Air Zermatt, Zermatt. Yeah. Um. There's actually a really good. I, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but they had it on. Uh, there was a full c- series uh, on was. those guys on Netflix called The Horn. The Horn, so, right? Well, the Horn, yeah, like because mm-hmm. it's uh, Matterhorn, um, the mountain right near them. Oh, okay. So they, yeah, it's crazy. Like they, yeah. the medics, and they, they have like a they have a paramedic and a doctor on every on every um, helicopter. It's pretty it, cool. It's it's cool to hear because again, like it was that it's that pre-hospital care portion, which everybody that we're talking to recently seems to want to change. These people mm-hmm. out there are trying to adapt mm-hmm. and and making the moves themselves to do these these changes. They've seen it for a long time. They've been in the industry, the ambulance services, things like that, and uh, just can't change from the inside. So they're trying something different and unique, and it's working and it's yeah. saving lives and i think the more and more um we start looking at this the greater this is going to grow and uh i again myself have already reached out to a few of the people that nick was asking to see if we can get on and hopefully the plan is to get everybody together Mm -hmm. have a conversation um all together and just uh and, and get it out there for everybody to listen to so stay tuned for that uh gentlemen we're just gonna go into the wrap up so motus yeah, so Modus, um, they have their Snagger tool, four century wedges. Um, a few of us have had a chance to uh, demo them. Scott's still waiting. I was going to say patiently, maybe less patiently. <laughs> I, actually, you, I think you threw me the Modus the other day when I we were did. in that practice, and I was like, I let it just drop on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want anything to do with it <laughs> until, until I got my own. Yeah, now, now it's a spite thing. Um, we, we, we found really good use for it. Um, you know, Kev's a big fan. Rob, Rob loves it. Um, check them out. Um, if you hop on their, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, when you go to check out on their website, uh, DTFF5 is going to give you a 5% discount on your purchase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, RZ. Uh, Yeah. RZ masks, I think they're back in stock for a few. Mm-hmm. Limited, limited, limited quantities available only. as of this last Tuesday. So it's obviously uh, toilet paper, hand sanitizer, and RZ masks are uh, are big. Maybe not RZ masks, but all masks are big right now. We so. are sold out at my... At your work? Really? Daily employ- yeah. Of RZ masks? Of regular, like, <laughs> N95s. Oh, right, yeah. Right. I could not supply one if I tried. So and did you I get tried. A, a luxury RZ mask? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The talk of the town. Yeah. Especially if you start walking around our town right now wearing it. <laughs> so when they are be available again, you can get a discount code of thirty uh, percent by typing in DTFF. Let's see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Todd, stop the bleed. Stop the bleed. Um, yeah, carry a tourniquet on your person. I say this every time. <laughs> uh, yeah, very important. Uh, it's uh, good life skills to have. Massive hemorrhage control. 
It's one thing that's going to save your life on it. And if you're an instructor, think outside the box, man. Have fun. Run with it. Yeah, and actually, if you're coming to seminar, yeah. um, Todd and a couple others are going to be doing a kind of a, not a full Stop the Bleed course, because that's a few hours, but it's going to be definitely a, kind of a down and dirty mm-hmm. um, tourniquet application, wound packing, and a pretty cool simulation if we can make it work. I got some pretty good ideas, yeah. We'll nice. Get some props going, and yeah. you bet. It'll be bloody. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's going to be messy. <laughs> Corn syrup everywhere. Um, yeah, wicked. Wicked. In fact, we'll touch on we'll touch on that in a second here with the announcement for the seminar piece. Yeah. Um, C-Rap. Ash. Yeah. So Ignition USA. Um, you can find the uh, C-Rap, the Seattle Rapid Access Tool. Uh, we were down in Seattle, had a chance to meet up and demo and such with the uh, C-Rap. It was uh, it was a pr- pretty cool experience. Um, really good tool can't wait to get our hands on it um there's a couple coming our way to demo so we're uh really excited for that uh check them out on their social medias um and if you like what you see dtff 2020 will get you 20 percent off for uh what i can only assume is the remainder of the year <clears throat> yeah i would, yeah. I would assume <laughs> similar yeah <laughs> check them out yeah. uh legion engineer Legion Engineered, yeah, our friend uh, <clears throat> Joel Struthers there, who we had on. Um, great company, a lot of uh, swag there that um, p- part of the proceeds go to uh, PTSD support and awareness. Um, get on their website and check them out, Legion Engineered. Um, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. Ash and I are supporting our hats as we speak. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wish we were supporting our decals. I know, you know, <laughs> I keep forgetting I got to mess with them about our decals. Yeah, still mm-hmm. not here. Still not here. Yeah. Yeah, probably much somewhere like the, with ours. Much like the barber boys. I was going to say, yeah, probably lost in the post with ours, yeah. <laughs> the uh, secondalarm.org, um, Matt's Calls. Um, if you are looking to support a good cause, you are of, uh, of the volunteer service and you are looking to support to try and get more firefighters into your fire hall, secondalarm.org is exactly that cause. They are out there trying to, again, promote what we do, who we are, and how, uh, how much fun it is to be a volunteer firefighter. So uh, go check them out. Give them some support, share them some love, and uh, yeah, good, 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 the latest news we have a facebook page for that all of our, all of our fire department spring training or spring seminar and uh this last week we just put out our first session breakdown and there'll be more to come kind of breaking down each session that uh that you could attend through the seminar yeah it's uh you can find a link to that as well if you go to dtff we've actually pinned it to the top of our page so it should be the first post that you hit for actually going and accessing the seminar page you can see a little bit of what's going on there uh scott just a touch a little bit briefly on because obviously we had dr nick on yeah. um and now we have some great great news about seminar and dr nick which is which which was our first session breakdown i, I mentioned uh on the facebook page that uh they're so they're now coming to seminar and they're going to do a um a, s- a session when i say a session that means uh, they're going to do seven sessions over the weekend um so everybody kind of not everybody um a lot of people are going to get a chance to to be in his uh 
in his session, and they're going to do a, an MCI um, course, and they're going to basically go out and we're going to do another simulation, similar to like what we're going to do with uh, Stop the Bleed. High fidelity sims. Yeah. So there will be a few of those throughout the weekend. Like a few of the uh, few sessions are going to have these high fidelity sims. But uh, other than that, we're going to have, you know, like I said, we're going to have Fortis, which is our, uh, our main utility provider. Yeah. Our, yeah. yeah. Our main utility provider for the, for the province. Um, they're going to do, uh, some stuff on natural, um, for, sorry, liquefied natural gas and regular gas and, um, electrical. So they're going to be out there doing their, their thing. Um, we're going to have a couple live fire, like, a, uh, bird buildings going. Mm-hmm. So we make our little portable burn millings. So, you know, simple skills, but um, definitely different when you're actually got fire rolling over your head. Mm-hmm. So it's good for the new, newer people. It's good. I mean, it's good for the senior people too. You get that stress inoculation or that fire inoculation because yeah. maybe it's not stressful to you to just, you know, just get used to fire rolling over your head, dealing with it, not, not freaking out. And we got, yeah, we got a lot of, we got door, um, we got forcible entry. A um, bunch of guys are coming down for forcible entry. I think there's 10 Instructors coming down from uh, the city of North here, teaching forcible entry. They're really good. It's a lot of force. Yeah, a lot of force. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have like three or four door props. They're gonna have um, uh, nice. garage door prop. They're gonna have uh, a rebar cutting tree. Yeah, a lots variety of, heavy, of tools to use. Heavy tools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah awesome. the big stuff. Yeah. And uh, guys from uh, Genesis Rescue, they're coming out. Uh, well. They're not like they the company that's supporting them. They're coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be bringing. Uh, they're going to be doing a lot of auto extrication with us. I think Paratech's going to be there doing some stabilization. Sick. Yeah, lots of mm-hmm. lots of good stuff. Yeah. So if you are looking for more updates for that, like Kev said, check us out on our page as well as on the seminar page directly. And uh, you can sign up again through there and request access. Basically, requesting access just allows you to comment. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not allowed to view or see the page. So you can go check that out. Um, and that is Oliver Spring Seminar. Um, yeah, that's it. And then obviously us. Um, us, we are all over the place as best we can be. We are on uh, the Instagrams, we're on Facebook. We're, we're obviously as well on YouTube now as well. And uh, TikTok too, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, which is more Ashes game. But it's definitely, uh, the audience is growing for sure on there too. It is, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we have to give a shout out to the Bar Boys for that. They made fun of it, but then... Kind of poked and prodded us to open up an app or op- open up an account there, and um, there's so much random stuff on TikTok that, like Todd's mentioned, you can lose hours to it. But there's also some really good content on there. So um, once you kind of weed through it, you can have half of it to waste your time. Half of it is actually good, useful information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, while we're on the bar boys, mm-hmm. let's do bar boys. Yeah, let's give them a shout out for sure. Um, I always try to listen to their episode before we record ours, so I was unable to do today. So I don't know uh, if anything was said, so we can't have our weekly rebuttal. Nothing, nothing bad was said about us. Nothing well, unless I didn't listen to the entire episode. I, I okay. just listened to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> not saying they say anything bad about us. They're actually at the uh, New England Fools event right mm-hmm. now. So, yeah. Doing so. some stuff there was doing the live interview. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah so, so set up there with the banner and everything. That looked cool. Yeah, the banner looked great. Um, yeah, having a presence there was really cool for them. Um, something that, uh, you know, maybe not the New England Fools, but something like that <laughs> is what we would like to eventually take some of this out on the road. It would be awesome. Like we did a little mini episode, which 
is missing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, while we were down in uh, Seattle, but uh, something really, really cool. Um, check them out. They're on all the major platforms as well. Um, Brotherhood Academy Radio Podcast. Check them out. Yeah, for Dimebridge. Dimebridge. Mm-hmm. For Dimebridge. Um, <laughs> with us, again, if uh, if you do have a minute, please head over to our YouTube page. We are trying to grow that audience as best we can. Um, obviously, we've got the followers on Facebook and things, and that's fantastic. We really appreciate it. The YouTube page, we're really starting to burn up um, and trying to get uh, trying to get more and more people through. We've had a great, great uh, increase of numbers over this past little while, and uh, we'd love to see that go up a little bit further. So if you do have a second and you appreciate and do our uh, do listen to our content, we'd love a little follow like there as well. That'd be greatly appreciated. Yeah, sorry, one thing I forgot to mention in the seminar was our movie trailer is going to drop soon. Ooh. Our seminar trailer, bum, which bum, we've... Bum. So last year, if you, or not, well, we always say last year, two years ago when we did the seminar, we did a knockoff on Call of Duty? Call of yeah. Duty. Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah. The crew went together. Yeah. Which is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Cracks me up every time I watch yeah. it. It's so good. Uh, this movie trailer is a little bit more serious. Uh, we, and actually, it's not meant to be serious, but it's uh, it's based on, well, you'll see it and hopefully you'll understand. It huh. might be based on the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's totally not Disney. Yeah. <laughs> don't get sued by anybody, but it might be based on the Avengers. It's definitely not um, Disney, but also yeah. definitely not based on that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. We just saw the first cut today. Yeah. Make some changes probably to it. Like a couple things we're going to mm-hmm. change and add. And, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so keep mm-hmm. very, as soon as we uh, as soon as we release it, we will have it obviously up on the seminar page. And we will share it out to ours as well, so you can have a look, have a laugh. And... Uh, yeah, that'd be good too. John, any more for any more? Nope. Ash? No. Uh, big thanks to Miles again for coming on. Um, and thanks everybody for tuning in. Yeah. Kev? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Listening to Miles. You had some amazing stories. Yeah. I feel very inadequate right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's not because of Miles. Yeah. Scott? Thank you. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Well, I still don't know how you commandeer a train. It's not like it's like, hey, stop. It's like three miles later, the train stops. Uh, anyways, yeah, it's awesome. Anyway. No, thank you very much. Thanks Why are you again. Still to touching Miles. my leg. <laughs> says your pants are off. <laughs> yeah. I want to see uh, this picture he keeps talking about. Oh uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he'll send it. <laughs> we yeah, we were at a at a uh, line of duty service uh, in Tofino. And um, there's many, many beverages to be had and a picture came out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, oh yes. (laughs) But yeah, thanks again, Miles. It's always an honor. Um, And uh, yeah, love chat with you. Uh, That was a lot of fun. Thank you all. Thanks everyone for listening. Really appreciate it. Stay safe. Stay safe.